There's an old proverb. Two men are stranded on an island. A farmer from Roth and a pirate from Sunscape. To pass the time, they hollow out a coconut and use it to roll dice. Nine games they play. Nine games the farmer wins. On the tenth, the pirate smashes the coconut on the farmer's head and slits his throat. I win, says the pirate. Ten out of ten. From Elderblade Productions, this is Echoes of Exeser. Episode 7, Cashing Out. small, dense cylinder of brass and copper. Dozens of slots in varying shapes and sizes scored its outer shell. At its end, a convex, ruby quartz lens. As soon as the door shut behind me, I tucked the Alzarian reader under my shirt and dashed to the chum tank's center square to retrieve my pack. It was where I'd left it, behind the rock in the alley, obscured by the wagon. I glanced around for witnesses, None that I could see. Jumping over the wagon, I shoved the reader into my pack. Then, I tore off the sleeves from my shirt and used them to rub the makeup off my face. I scooped my hands around on the ground, gathering dirt and grime to smear over my face, hair and torso in an impromptu disguise. That was far too easy, I thought. The tension in the air after I'd won the dice game told me as much. Fade sent Obsidian into a back room to retrieve the reader, while offering me curt congratulations. His thin-lipped smile betrayed the anger and confusion of a man who was not used to losing. I wondered if he'd realize what had happened. My parley with his supernatural servant, the Warden. His posse seemed either ignorant of the matter, or too relieved to care. As far as they were concerned... It was my high-stakes wager that relieved them of their obligation to pay up. I was happy not to correct them. At first, Fade's sportsmanship surprised me. Maybe he really didn't know, and thought he was still bound by the dice's magic to give up the reader. As we awaited my prize in painful silence, however, I developed another theory. As the warden told me earlier, Everyone in Sunscape has something to lose. For Fade, perhaps it was his reputation, his honor, or at least the appearance of it. Sunscape may be a den of incestuous thievery, but it stands on the belief that debts will be paid. If Fade reneged on our deal and word got out, my thoughts were cut off by the sudden press of something cold and razor-thin against my neck. I froze, daring not to take a look at the owner of the blade. I raised my dirt-covered hands in the air. 
the blade pressed in, and I felt a trickle of blood run down my neck. I felt the blade's key on on my shoulder. It was a dagger, meaning they were directly behind me. I was sitting down with my back against the wagon. Someone had been laying inside, waiting for me. I felt the warmth of their breath against my neck as they spoke. We see our share of alley rats, Mr. Elaine. Though I must say, ye might be amongst the biggest. Did Fade send you? If this is about the reader, I won it, fair and square. Aye, you won it. Now we're winning it back. Sorry, I'm cashing out. I closed my hand into a fist, tilted it sideways, and summoned a longsword with the phantom ring. In the space of a breath, the shadows gathered inside my fist and shot forth. My arm quaked from the sudden force of the blade slamming into something behind me. There was a moment's quiet, followed by the crisp clang of the dagger dropping to the ground. Bracing myself, I looked behind me. Straight through the throat, cascades of scarlet painted the wagon behind him. It took me a moment to register the man's face. It was the pianist from the fadeaway. Fade must have slipped him out amidst all the tension to come here and wait for me. No doubt the warden had been watching my entry into the chum tank, saw me take cover in this alley while I applied my disguise. My body quivered as I regarded my handiwork. Not again. I stood up and backed away from the wagon, unwittingly releasing the shadow sword. It evaporated, and in its absence the pianist slumped over the side of the wagon. I had just begun to process what happened when something slammed into my chest. It swept me clear off my feet, and my back struck the ground like a thunderclap. My vision doubled, and the cave ceiling spun in circles high above. Hot, searing pain bore deep inside me. I tried to move my left arm, but it flopped like a dried-up fish. Frantic, I brought my right arm over and ripped my bloodied shirt open to see the gaping bullet wound in the left corner of my chest. Through all the ringing and pounding in my ears, I heard shouting, slamming doors, and encroaching laughter. Huffing and heaving, I rolled to my uninjured side, crawled over to the side of the alley building, and pushed myself to sitting. From there, I could look back at the city square, where I saw Raxo and Arrowwind approaching the alley. The Draylish man tossed a knife playfully into the air, where it twirled and flashed against the pallid lamplights. Arrowwind trailed him, loading her flintlock pistol with effortless precision, her eyes burning holes into me as she readied to strike again. My limbs twitched with anticipation 
as I searched for an escape. The alley led to a dead end, with a wall at least three times my height. Trying to jump the wagon and break past them would be certain death. I could try to fight. The wagon would provide solid cover for a time. But with my arm as it was, aiming a crossbow would be a challenge. We're reasonable, Mr. Elaine, came Raxo's voice. We appreciate you bailing us out back there. Give us the reader, and we'll make your death as painless as possible. I forced myself to breathe deeply. You will get out of this, Vondaire, I told myself. Or you will die. You decide. I looked back at the end of the alley. This time I noticed... The walls of the two buildings were a bit closer together than they should be. Shoddy masonry work. A place like the Chum Tank probably doesn't plan ahead when it comes to city planning, I realized. The alley was already narrow, nearly to the point where I could stretch out my legs from where I sat and touch the other wall. If I could get to the other end... But I need a distraction, I thought. Another gunshot ricocheted off the walls. I ducked, and a cloud of brick dust and spackle peppered my head. It took me a moment to realize it had been a warning shot. Today, Elaine, called Arrowwind. My mind went to the reader in my pack. Moreover, I began to think about the other things I had in there. A hemp rope, some ruined rations... A lantern? An oil lantern? Fine. You win. Let me get it for you. I crawled towards my pack and opened it, extracting the reader, along with the lantern. It was a brass nautical lantern, in a square casing that housed a delicate glass globe and wick inside. It was Quinn's idea. She said I would draw less attention than with a shinestone lantern. I suppose I showed her, I thought wryly. It occurred to me then that the box of matches I'd been sent with had been soaked through when the pack got swept up in the lift lock. If I wanted to light it, I'd need the flint and steel. Din's blood, I cursed in my head. Why couldn't I have bound myself to a fire fright instead? Setting the lantern, flint, and steel at my side, I hefted the reader in my good arm. All right, take the scorching thing. I threw it, carefully, prayerfully, onto the wagon. It landed with a muted thud on its tilted wooden floor panels, rolling down the slope until it was stopped by the pianist's body. As soon as I was sure of its placement... I set to work on the lantern. As I listened to footsteps approaching the wagon, I popped open the door to the lantern's casing. I twisted the globe free and teased the wick out as far as I could. Then I laid the casing on its side. Holding the flint in my left hand, I reached my hands inside the lantern and began to strike near the wick. They'll kill me. The thought came unbidden into my mind. As soon as it's in their grasp, 
they'll blow me away. The footsteps grew louder. Both of them were moving in. I heard the sound of steel flinging through the air. I heard the tapping of flintlock pistol against shoulder. I struck frantically, my will so focused on the wick I might have set it alight all on my own. Their shadows crested the wagon. I saw Raxo's head first, then Arrowwind's. They noted my position, my wounded state, but they did not comment on the lantern. Perhaps it was too shadowed behind the wagon to make out what it was. Besides, their attention was elsewhere. As soon as they deemed me harmless, both pairs of eyes went to the reader. Hungrily, each of them lunged for it, seemingly without regard for the dead pianist it lay beside. Raxo and Arrowwind met each other's eyes for a tense moment. I sensed that, were circumstances different at this moment, they might attempt to kill each other over the prize. Instead, Raxo relented, removing his hand from the reader. Gleaming, Arrowwind said. She turned her attention back to me, finally taking notice of what I was doing. What are you going to need that for, chum? Won't be seeing much of anything in a moment. I said nothing, and continued to strike the flint. A crimson flicker caught the wick inside and took hold. Lighting his way down to the pit, I wager, Raxo said with a snort. Hmm, dark place, so I hear. Arrowwind aimed her pistol straight at my head. For good reason. She cocked the pistol. That clack of metal arrested me, like the toll of an eternal bell. I froze and let go of the flint and steel. I felt it in my heart, my stomach. This moment could be my last. In a way, it was almost poetic. Guns down in an alley by pirates on a trash heap island built for outcasts. A strange end to an even stranger life. Then again, the wick was burning. And, as my father used to say when he fired up his kiln, never waste a good spark. I raised my right hand, called a crossbow from the shadows, and fired at Arrowwind. The shot went wide. No support for my left arm, no time to aim, but it caught her by surprise. She recoiled, gun arm flinching as she pulled the trigger. The bullet skimmed past my ear and struck dirt behind me. Seizing my chance, I rose, heaved the lit lantern over my head, and launched it at Arrowwind. Panicking, she protected the reader with her body. The lantern smashed against her arm. Oil coated her arm, and fire kissed it. A gauntlet of flame erupted. Arrowwind screamed, throwing the reader off so she could swat at the flames. The reader landed on my side of the wagon. I scooped it up, watching Arrowwind as she dove to the ground and began to roll. Raxo danced around her, stunned and distracted by the sight. I did not wait around to see what came next. I ran for the back end of the alley. Cradling the reader in my right arm, 
I braced my back and legs against the walls of the alley and began to walk up. I had nearly cleared the alley wall when I heard Raxo shout for me. Not pausing to look back, I leapt over. I fell feet first, hitting the ground and doubling over into a roll forward. I picked myself up and gathered my bearings. On the other side of the town square's wall, there were dozens of ramshackle houses crowded together on uneven mounds of trash. The residential district, if you could call it that. A network of narrow paths splayed throughout the complex like veins, no doubt made from the years of residents trudging around the place, tamping the path flat with their own feet. I took off, running for the tunnel back to the upper levels. Arrowwind's screams chased me, slashing throughout the cave like a vengeful windstorm. I tried to ignore the pounding pain in my legs and back, or the steady pour of blood from my chest. I pushed uphill, cresting a number of slag heaps and weaving in between shacks. A few residents saw me. They barely seemed to register my wounds, as they cooked rats over makeshift campfires or chattered to themselves on benches. I stopped abruptly, listening. In my haste, I hadn't noticed the screams had stopped. Had I taken a second life tonight? A strange mixture of sensations came over me. Tension, worry, but also a hint of relief, albeit tinged with guilt. All of it was soon dashed, however, as I watched a kicktay's silhouette take to the air. Muckspawn, I cursed in my head. She hadn't spotted me yet, but she wasn't far off. Rexo's likely close as well, I thought. I need to hide. Impulsively, I made for a cluster of shacks off the path. I made an effort to step lively over the rolling mounds of waste, countering my weight for the steep and slippery inclines. The shacks appeared uninhabited, but in a place like this that didn't mean much. Perhaps there was a family of twelve inside each, for all I knew. Inspecting each shack proved difficult, as there was no outside lighting and the district lay in the shadow of the square's walls. Soon, though, I came across one that looked promising. To have called it a shack would have been generous. A caved-in roof, walls blown to ruin, shards of broken glass everywhere. The windows were barred and the door was chained up, but on closer inspection, the links on the chains were rusted to oblivion. I frowned at the constraints. Some kind of patchwork jail, perhaps? Worn by time, or condemned? I didn't have time to ponder the matter. Summoning a longsword, I broke the chains on the door and tried to open it. It was quite snugly stuck in its metal frame. Years of soaking up the mildewy air must have swollen the wood. From somewhere close by, I heard the familiar beating of kicktay wings a few shacks away. Sucking in a breath, I yanked the door as hard as I could. It gave, and I stowed away inside. The shack did not have much space to spare, due to the collapsing of the roof. 
Stone, rubble, and rotted paneling greeted me inside. I closed the door behind me, crawling into a claustrophobic space on the ground just beneath the front window. Eyes searching for arrow wind, I braced myself uncomfortably against the rubble. Just need to wait, I told myself. Just wait them out until they move on. My bullet wound protested the thought, twinging aggressively as I squirmed for a better position. I was losing a lot of blood. If I was to wait them out, I knew I would need to take care of it soon. I summoned a dagger. I cut my shirt to get a better access to the wound. Gritting my teeth, I steadily drove the dagger's point inside. The shadow blade felt exactly like cold steel, lighting up my already pulsing wound with fresh scrapes of pain. After a few excruciating minutes, the bullet vaulted from my wound and clattered to the ground at my feet. Dismissing the dagger, I took off my tattered shirt and wrapped it tight around my shoulder to stem the bleeding. By now I was feeling lightheaded, the world started to spin again. I leaned my head back, closed my eyes to try and steady myself. A cool breeze grazed my hair from behind, a small hole in the rubble. I tried to let it soothe me as I took in a deep breath. My ears focused, listening outside for any indication of my pursuers. Beating wings, rustling feet, spiteful taunts. There were none. All I could hear were some distant echoes of scavengers on trash mounds and the gentle flow of the reservoir water nearby. It was a rough, dirty patch of peace. A glint of treasure in this garbage mound of an evening. Then, are you lucky? My eyes shot open. Every muscle tensed, but I did not move. The whisper came directly from outside. I saw no one from my vantage point below the window. I didn't recognize the voice. It was wispy wishful, wanting. The tone was too innocent for its own good, like someone doing a crude impression of a child. You don't smell lucky. No, no, no. Smell like blood and dirt and rotting things. Like chum, yes, like me. But Warden doesn't lie. No, no, no. From the window, I saw the back of a man's head as he passed by. His gait was stilted, lumbering, an emaciated frame, loud, labored breaths through his nose. His head arced forward and low, almost like he was sniffing for clues.
Warden is kind, generous, cares for chum like us. Yes, yes, yes. Warden help chum pay our debts. Find the thief. Kill the thief. Yes, yes, yes. Just like that, he spun around. He put his hands on the bars of the window and peered inside. Instantly, I noticed his eyes were glowing orange, leaving faint trails of mist wherever his head moved. He was older, balding, with a gaunt face and crooked nose. His other features I could not tell in the low light. I cringed, preparing to summon a weapon. But the moments passed, and still he peered, not seeming to notice me. Eventually he backed away, still breathing hard through his nose. Something elsewhere caught his attention. He walked away. I sat there, stunned, listening to his footsteps slowly fade. His eyes looked just like the dice did in the fadeaway. How far did the warden's power extend? To manipulate someone's greed was horrific enough, but to possess them outright? At that moment, something occurred to me, a detail that sent ice water through my veins. Us, he said. Us. Our debts. Din's blood. How many are... Debris crashed against the back of my head. From behind, a pair of bony hands clamped down on my throat. They pulled me backwards. I clawed at the hands, tried to pull them off, but despite their frail appearance, they were unnaturally strong. Air left me entirely, as I felt my windpipe threaten to crush... I writhed, falling prone on the floor of the shack. The hands dragged me through the rubble. Stone and metal and glass tore at my face, arms and back. Whoever it was had punched through the opening in the rubble and was now dragging me clear through the wall of the shack. My head finally cleared the wall where I could see my assailant. It was an old woman with long, stringy white hair and a scarcity of teeth. Her eyes glowed with the same hungry orange as the previous man. Her face and upper body were bloodied from plunging into the rubble, but she did not seem to mind. She loomed over me, gleeful smile on her cut-up face. I tried to summon a blade, but she raised a bare foot and stomped my wrist down. She crouched low, continuing to choke me as she shrieked, our debts are paid! Our debts are paid! Kill the thief! Kill the thief! Yes! 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 With what little I had left in me, I heaved forward, pushing my weight into my legs. I kicked my legs upward, wrapped them around the old woman's head. I twisted, forcing her to the ground. She cried out, releasing her grip on my throat. I gasped, turned to face her and held her head down with my hands. She clawed at my face, kicked at me with her legs. I pinned her with a knee to the stomach. I am Claude Von Der of the Ebon Mist, I heaved. 
by the gloom and the eventide, released this woman's mind. All at once, the woman's body froze. Her breath halted, her eyes rolled back. Then she returned, wheezing painfully. The orange glow left her eyes. I released her, and she sat up, coughing and sputtering. She looked around her wildly. Wh where am I? She asked. She faced me, frightened. Who in the pit are you? What are you doing to me? Before I could answer, I noticed a familiar orange glow shining out from the corner of one of the shacks ahead. It was the man from before. He stumbled towards us slowly, pointed desire in his gaze. Then, another orange pair crept out of the shadows. A younger man, somewhat healthier than the last two, but still disheveled and malnourished. They, in turn, were joined by a child in pigtails clutching a ragged doll, a portly drailish man missing a leg, a blind woola. All of them had the same orange glow. They approached us, but slowly, as though they were unsure of what to do, like they were waiting for something to happen. I turned to run. Immediately I was stopped by the towering frame of obsidian. Before I could react, the bear man shoved me down with one effortless swat of his paw. I struck the ground, and again the wind was knocked out of me. The elderly woman I had freed screamed and ran off. From behind obsidian stepped Mr. Fade. His left hand was raised, and I saw the tiger-eye stones in his rings glowing bright orange instead of blue. Finally, Arrowwind and Raxo came to either side of Fade. Arrowwind's arm was scarred from burns, and her face threatened to melt from rage. Raxo had his knives out, ready to use me for target practice. The message was clear. I may have won our first game, but this one was well and truly lost. Mr. Fade laughed. You know, for someone so clever, you are a special kind of stupid. You think I'd let you walk out of my bar with that, Rita? I've seen it all here, kid, and I take it all. If I can't have it, I kill it. See, every now and then a chum like you comes along, challenges my title. They make good examples for the rest. What I can't control with greed, I make up for with fear. I do what it takes to survive, Mr. Elaine. That's how I clawed my way to the top of this stinking city. That's how I made the warden into my god dog. And that's why you can't touch me. You, my little friend, just pissed off the most dangerous pirate in Sunscape. At this, Obsidian stepped behind Fade, Raxo, and Arrowwind. He put a hand on Raxo and Arrowwind's shoulders. All three of them looked back at him quizzically. The most dangerous pirate in Sunscape. Hmm. I disagree. Thank you.
The bear man grabbed Raxo and Arrowwind by their heads, slamming both of them into Fade. All three fell to the ground, limp and unconscious. I barely had time to register what had happened before I noticed the murmuring behind me. I turned to see the warden's thralls free of their spell, their eyes clear of orange light. As with the old woman, they appeared lost, confused, and scared. They rubbed their heads, asking each other what in Exar they were doing here. Bewildered myself, I looked back up at Obsidian. What is this? I will explain, but first we must go. If you're betraying him, why don't you finish the job? There's no time. Please. How do I know I can trust you? You can't. But you're wounded. Fade sleeps, yet the warden still hunts. Ports in a storm, and all that. The Urso offered me his hand. I eyed him for a time, but deep down I knew he was right. Whatever was going on, it wouldn't end tonight. I'd gotten my hands on the reader, but there was no hope of getting out of this city's jaws without help. I took the Urso's hand and stood up. Claude Von Der. Obsidian furrowed his brow. I shrugged. Cat's out of the bag. Might as well know my real name. Obsidian nodded. Very well. Come, Mr. Von Der. It's time you met some friends of mine. Echoes of X Caesar is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand and Sword Coast Soundscapes on YouTube. Questions or comments, email us at echoesofxcaesar at gmail.com.